1: D.C. Brandon. Faith Talk Tampa. Online at letstalkfaith.com. Download the Faith Talk Tampa app.
0: Following is sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries and is pre-recorded.
1: Each of these men, while men of faith, had defects in their faith. They weren't perfect men of faith. Gideon needed a fleece to be convinced that God had really called him. The fleece was not a mark of faith. You know, Some people will ask me, well, should we have fleeces today? Don't look to Gideon as, uh, as an example there. God told him, go. And Gideon said, well, if you really called me, let me throw out this fleece. And that was not a strength of his faith. That was really a weakness. And yet he was a man of faith.
2: As a matter of fact, I think that one of the most interesting aspects of the story of Gideon is God's gentle patience with him. Gideon kept looking for signs and really demonstrated that he didn't feel the courage that God told him he had when he first gave Gideon his assignment. God called him a man of valor and told him to drive out the Midianites. And Gideon's response was kind of whiny. To paraphrase him, it was something like, Well, I don't know. I, my family is unimportant and I'm the youngest of the sons. You get the picture. So God kept reassuring Gideon and even accommodated Gideon's fears by sending him to listen in on a conversation among two of the Midianite soldiers to show him how afraid the Midianites actually were. But the Bible calls him a man of great faith. How can that be? Well, we will find out today on Verse by Verse. Thanks for listening today. Our teacher is Pastor Teacher Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Since 1981, Pastor Steve has been serving at Lakeside and Verse by Verse Ministries makes his lessons available to you each weekday through this wonderful radio station. We like to think of Verse by Verse as a radio Bible class of the air. Today's lesson is the middle third of Pastor Steve's ninth message about the heroes of the faith and his tenth from the eleventh chapter of Hebrews. If you would like to follow along in your own Bible, Pastor Steve is going to jump right in with Judges chapter 4, verse 4. God was using the Canaanites to punish Israel because they had, once again, turned from God and worshiped idols. At last, they came to him asking for deliverance, and that's where Pastor Steve will begin reading.
1: Now Deborah, a prophetess, the wife of Labadoth, was judging Israel at that time. And she used to sit under the palm tree of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim, and the sons of Israel came up to her for judgment. Now she sent and summoned Barak, the son of uh, Abinoam, and Kedish Naphtali and said to him, behold, the Lord, the God of Israel has commanded, go and march to Mount Tabor and take with you 10,000 men from the sons of Naphtali and the sons of Zebulun. And I will draw to you, Sisera, the commander of Jabin's army with his chariots and his many troops to the river Kishon, and I will give them into your hand. Notice what Barak says. He said to her, if you will go with me, then I will go. But if you will not go with me, I will not go. Well, she ends up going with him, uh, and he defeats. God uses him to defeat uh, the the Canaanites and Jabin and Sisera. Uh, it's a fascinating story. Uh, you should really take the time to read how the man had a temple, uh, had, a, had a spike that was driven right through his temple, and uh, it's real gory, and if you like that kind of stuff, you'll love that story. So, but, but the point is that Barak believed God and he conquered an enemy kingdom as a result. And I know all the young people are quickly looking up that passage and, uh, and seeing how it got him in the temple while he was asleep. Okay, then the next man is Samson. Most of us are familiar with Samson. We're not particularly impressed with him. He, uh, we look at him and we're, 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 uh, we look at his lack of spirituality, his enticements by Delilah. And, uh, we're, we're just not too impressed with him. But he, and he is best remembered really for his strength, not his faith. Yet he was a man of faith. He conquered the Philistines. That was the group that, that he battled with. Uh, many, many battles. And he did this by faith. He did this by faith. Judges chapter 13, verse five gives us some, uh, insight on this. And this is what God has said to his parents. For behold, you shall conceive and give birth to a son and no razor shall come upon his head. For the boy shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb and he shall begin to deliver Israel from the hands of the Philistines. Now, let me just make a distinction here. Nazarite was a was a vow. It meant that someone was dedicated to God. Uh, The hair was not to be cut. They were never to, to drink wine. This is not a Nazarene. Nazarene is a citizen of Nazareth where Jesus grew up. A Nazarite is someone who is dedicated to the Lord and and we believe that John the Baptist was was in that category as well. So just to make a distinction but when his parents told Samson that he was dedicated to God and uh, God would give him strength and he believed he believed the Word of the Lord and the feats of strength that he did uh, was because he believed God. Because he believed God, so he was a man, a man of faith. Then the other one is Jephthah. This man is best known for a foolish and rash vow that he made concerning his daughter. Bible scholars are divided as to whether uh, this foolish vow meant that his daughter died or that she was a perpetual virgin and was not to marry. But that's not our point here. To go into this, the point is that God used him to defeat the Ammonites, and that's found in chapter eleven. He trusted the Lord against against all odds. Now, what can we say about these four military men of faith that might encourage us in our faith? Because after all, that's the purpose of the, of the writer to the Hebrews. He's not simply giving us a history lesson. He's saying, here's the way these men lived and women lived as we've gone through the list. Now, therefore, you are to live like this. The just shall live by faith. And we've gone over this many times, how it connects with chapter 10 and the persecutions and live by faith and so forth. Well... I see a, a very important truth here that, that we need to understand. Each of these men, while men of faith, had defects in their faith. They weren't perfect men of faith. They had defects in their faith. Gideon needed a fleece to be convinced that God had really called him. The fleece was not a mark of faith. You know, Some people will ask me, well, should we have fleeces today? Don't look at Gideon. As uh, as an example, there God told him go, and Gideon said, "Well, if you really called me, let me throw out this fleece." And uh, that was not that was not a strength of his faith. That was really a weakness. And yet he was a man of faith. Barak needed Deborah's presence to assure him that that God meant what he said. I don't think that was a strength of his faith, though some believe that it was. I think that was a weakness of his faith that he needed Deborah. He said, "If you don't go with me, I'm not going." And he didn't need her in a military way. He wanted assurance that God would not leave him. I don't think that was strength of faith. That was a weakness. Samson let Delilah's enticements corrupt his faith. And Jephthah made that silly and rash vow in connection with his faith. Now, what does this say to us? What does this tell us about faith? Well, for one thing, it says that, that faith Our faith in God and his word may be imperfect, and not maybe it is imperfect, it is incomplete, but that doesn't mean that God will not approve of our faith. These men all had the approval of God concerning their faith, and it simply means that there is room to grow in our faith. Nobody should feel that they've arrived. If you feel like you've arrived, you haven't arrived. Nobody should feel like they've arrived. We can grow in our faith, and there are areas to be matured, there are, uh, there are doubts and hesitancy that need to be overcome. There is room to grow. So when we talk about faith, don't look at these men and women as, as giants of faith, like they never faltered. No, Abraham, the greatest man of faith, lied. Lied a, a number of times. And these men and women of faith were not perfect, so don't think that you can't measure up. We actually should go beyond them. So I think that's... That's important for us. Faith, Our faith is matured. And how is it matured? God allows us to be put in situations that are difficult in order for us to lean on him. So these very things that we hate uh, that come into our lives are the very instruments that God uses to, to have us trust him. And sometimes the same type of things keep coming into our lives. Why? Because God is saying to us, trust me, trust me, look back in the past and see how I delivered you and how I helped you. So faith is matured and faith is developed and, and uh, faith is nurtured as we're forced to be put in situations where we can turn to the Lord and trust him. And the more you trust him, the more you will trust him. Now, another truth here, the impressive thing about these men was that they believed God when very few around them did. It wasn't fashionable to trust the Lord. They didn't go to a Sunday service and have 400 people around them who affirmed their faith. They lived in a time period in which there was no king in Israel, nobody to rule over the land, nobody to pull people together and say, let's do this. They lived in a time period when there was no king in Israel and everybody did their own thing whatever they wanted. And yet these men did not succumb to that apostasy. They believed God. Is it fashionable to take God at his word today? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Times have not changed. It wasn't popular either for the Hebrews of the first century who were the first recipients of this this letter to believe God. They had an unbelieving Jewish community coming down hard on them saying, how can you believe in Jesus Christ? You are apostatizing. You are going against the God of our fathers. And regardless of your situation, uh, God calls us, his people today, to believe him even when it goes against the majority. We all have pressures from outside sources to not follow Christ, to not believe in his word. Sometimes they're overt and they're very clear. Sometimes they're very subtle. You might have parents who think it's absolutely ridiculous for you to follow the Lord. And why do you go to that church every Sunday? Is this a cult that you're going to? You know, that, that type of thing. I've never heard of a Lakeside Community Chapel. What denomination is that? You may have that kind of pressure. You may have pressure of a spouse who uh, is just repulsed by your faith in Christ and so turned off by it. Or a boss who just ridicules you and makes sure that you don't get the promotions that you should get. Or teachers who, who have private and personal agendas to destroy your faith.
2: The things the heroes of the faith struggled with are the same as what we struggle with. They may change in method or degree, but opposition to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ comes from one source, no matter what it looks like. Paul told the Ephesians, "...put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age." He went on in Ephesians 6 to list the parts of the armor of God, and one of them is faith. All are important, but he said, above all, taking the shield of faith, with which you will be able to quench the fiery darts of the wicked one. We'll have more about that passage in our next class. Pastor Steve will be back in a moment to tell us about his own struggles as a young believer in a secular college. Those struggles are probably similar to the ones you have faced or maybe you're facing them right now. And they are not unlike the challenges faced by our four Old Testament judges that we are studying today. First, though, let's take a moment to greet those of you who have just tuned in. You are listening to Verse by Verse, a Bible class of the air taught by Pastor Teacher Steve Kreloff. Pastor Steve has been serving at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida since 1981. For the past six weeks, we have been plumbing the depths of Hebrews chapter 11. Today's message is the middle portion of Pastor Steve's ninth message concerning the heroes of the faith and how their examples can teach and encourage us in our own spiritual growth. Now, let's return to our class. Here is Pastor Steve.
1: I recall the, the struggles, and they really were struggles, that I faced in my new faith in Christ. I came to know the Lord as a freshman at the university of South Florida, and uh, I have to say it was it was difficult. It was really difficult uh, there was there was rejection by friends um, i, I didn 't know that that uh, there was any other Jewish people at that at that point in my life who even believed in the Lord. I thought I was alone I thought I, I was the first Jewish person in two thousand years to discover that Jesus was the Messiah. I mean it, you know uh, the person who led me to the Lord never told me there were others like me. And, uh, there were, there was ridicule from people. And, uh, I remember my parents thinking that I had rejected being Jewish. I remember my mom saying, Would you be interested in going to see a rabbi? And, uh, I said, I would if, would you be interested in going to see a minister? And that was the end of the conversation. But there was that, and I said it respectfully, but there was that, that subtlety there. And, and, and I can recall in the early days, and even now I still get this, that I'm told, uh, by, by some that I cannot be Jewish and believe in Christ. Now you may not get that kind of pressure, but I do. At times, not all the time. Uh, someone would say, well, you you cannot be Jewish and believe in the scriptures and believe that Jesus is the Messiah. I want to share with you a verse of scripture that always encouraged me back then and it still encourages me. And if you're going through these struggles, let me let me have you turn to Acts chapter 24. Even if you're not going through these struggles, Acts chapter 24. Verse fourteen. It is the apostle Paul, who has been brought to Caesarea, which is a beautiful city. And if you go to Israel, you can see Caesarea. It is a seaport city. In fact, when we were there, we were uh, we went in the the big amphitheater, probably where the apostle Paul gave this defense. It's right on the Mediterranean Sea. It is gorgeous. And here's what Paul said when he stood before the authorities. Acts chapter twenty-four, verse fourteen. He said, but this I admit to you, that according to the way which you call a sect, I do serve. I serve the God of our fathers, believing everything that is in accordance with the law that is written and that is written in the prophets. And I think that's a great verse. God used that to really strengthen me when I was accused and have been accused of being a traitor to my people and an apostate and, and someone who would abandon the Jewish uh, faith. Uh, I, I take my stand and we all do. We all need to. With the apostle Paul, it said, you may accuse me of this, but I believe, I trust all that has been written in the law and in the prophets. And so, uh, I think that the judges, those who walk with the Lord during the period of judges are a great inspiration, a great encouragement to us because life is not easy and there's all kinds of oppression. And you need to remember that if they could, if they could obey and follow and trust the Lord, then you can too. You can, too. Uh, these four leaders from the period of judges, they believe God and they conquered by their faith. But there are two more Old Testament characters that, that the writer to the Hebrews mentions, and they're found in verse 32. And they're, they're famous. In fact, there are three altogether that he speaks about. One is a group and two are individuals. He said of David and Samuel And the prophets. David, of course, is the great king of Israel, and he demonstrated his faith many times. I mean we would be here past three o'clock if we were to go over how David demonstrated his faith. How about with Goliath? He he said, Bring him out here, I'll take him on. I have I have faith in the living God. How about when his conflict with Saul, when he trusted God, that God would give David the throne of Israel in his own time, and he refused to to physically harm Saul. How about the Psalms? The Psalms are continuous expressions of David's trust in the Lord. And then there's Samuel. Godly Samuel, he was the last judge. Samuel is a transitory character, the last judge of Israel, and he's the first, not the first prophet in Israel, but the first uh, in, line, uh, uh, in the line of prophets that called Israel back to their covenant. There were prophets before him, but he seems to be the first prophet in a long line of prophets that called Israel back to the law. He's a godly man, obedient, who lived by faith in God's word, and it wasn't easy some of the things that he did. He stood up for righteousness. He trusted the Lord. He anointed Saul when he personally didn't want to do that. And he also anointed David as king when he knew that it might be dangerous to him because Saul wanted to kill David. So he trusted the Lord. And finally, in verse 32, the writer mentions the prophets as a group of men who had faith. Uh, Men such as Elijah and Elisha, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Daniel, and just on and on. Now, from this point on, after verse 32, the writer to the Hebrews doesn't mention names anymore. In fact, what he did in verse 32, he gave us uh, first names without deeds. Now he gives us deeds without names. Doesn't tell us about these people, but he gives us their exploits and how they conquered over their adversities. At verse 33, let me read verses 33 through 35, and then we'll look at each, each phrase. Who by faith, conquered kingdoms, performed acts of righteousness, obtained promises, shut the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, from weakness were made strong, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight, women received back their dead by resurrection. And we'll stop here because as I told you, the tone changes about suffering in the next phrase. So first he says, who by faith conquered kingdoms. There were a number of Old Testament characters. We don't know who who in particular he had in mind in all these cases, but there were a number of Old Testament characters who, who conquered kingdoms. In a military manner, you had Joshua, you had David, you had others. There were kings who did this. Others like Moses and Daniel conquered, but in a, not exactly in a military manner. They believed God's word that God would have them conquer this kingdom. And they did it not by military might, but by their faith in the Lord who used the military. They believed God's word that they would defeat their enemies even when the outlook was bleak. He goes on to say by faith they performed acts of righteousness. Now, this doesn't mean personal righteousness. The, the thought here is that they administered justice. Uh, They judged rightly and wisely at a governmental level. And this could apply to a number of people. Uh, They governed in a righteous and just manner. It could be David. Could be Samuel. And David, it says in 2nd Samuel chapter 8, verse 15. You don't need to turn there. You just need to write some of this down. So David reigned over all Israel, and David administered justice and righteousness for all his people. And it could be said of, of Samuel as well. could be said of Solomon, who the Bible says was the wisest of all men. That's the thought here. By faith, they obtained promises. God made specific promises to these men and women of faith, and uh, by their faith in God, they gained what? was promised. It could refer to a number of people. It could refer to Abraham, who received the promise of a son, and he believed God. It could refer to military leaders that we looked at today, to uh, to Gideon, and, and David, and Barak, who obtained the fulfillment of promises made to them. Could mean a number of people. By faith, we go on to the next phrase. And these really, we don't need to, to look at, at these in depth, but by faith, they shut the mouths of lions. There are a number of Old Testament men of faith who fought lions. You have Samson, who said that he, he killed, the Bible says he killed a lion by his own strength. You have David, who who told, uh, when he was a boy, he said, I was watching my sheep, and uh, actually it was his father's sheep, and when a bear would come or a lion would come, I killed him. That's why I can take on this this Goliath. But I I tend to think that the writer was thinking more in line with Daniel, who was thrown unjustly, was thrown into a den of lions, and the Bible says that God shut the mouths of these lions. Daniel chapter 6. Verse 34 goes on to say, By faith they quenched the power of fire. And this probably refers to Daniel's three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who instead of bowing down to the image of Nebuchadnezzar in Daniel chapter 3, we were thrown into a burning furnace and yet were untouched. They quenched the power of fire. By faith, they believed God. In fact, their faith is so wonderful in that portion of scripture. They said, our God is able to deliver us. But if he doesn't, if he doesn't, we will not worship your image, Nebuchadnezzar. Now, that's faith. God is able to do it. But if he doesn't, it's all right. We'll submit to his sovereign plan. We will not compromise. They were great men of faith.
2: And so we conclude today's lesson. But there is more to come in our next class. What tremendous faith Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had. They defied the king and the furnace. They said that if the king put them in the fire, God was perfectly capable of protecting them from it. And even if God chose not to protect them, they still would not deny the Lord. They really laid it all out there for God. How many of us could do the same? I hope none of us ever have to face a test like that. Still, though, we face tests all the time. And that's why we're doing this study on the heroes of the faith, so that we can see how they stood the tests and then learn from them. You are listening to Verse by Verse. Pastor Teacher Steve Kreloff is our teacher for these daily Radio Bible classes and we're glad you're with us today. We hope you can join us for the next class and the conclusion of Pastor Steve's ninth message about the heroes of the faith, described in Hebrews 11. For over 25 years, Pastor Steve has been teaching the Word of God at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. His clear teaching and practical applications are made available to radio listeners by this radio station and Verse by Verse Ministries. We invite you to visit our website, versebyverseradio.org. You can listen online to today's program or hear previous classes on our archives page. We offer a complimentary newsletter as well as free podcasting. That's versebyverseradio.org. As I said, today's class was one-third of Pastor Steve's message. You'll have the rest in our next class, but if you would like to hear the entire message at once, you can order an audio CD or a cassette tape. Call us at 727-239-0306. Leave your name and a number, and we'll return your call during weekday office hours. That number again, 727-239-0306. Please remember that Verse by Verse Ministries is a faith ministry supported by the gifts and prayers of interest.
0: Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells.